Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. It's Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So glad you're with us. It's WrestleMania week. Not just one day, two days this weekend. You can watch on the WWE Network. I'm pleased to be joined by the world's strongest man, the WWE Hall of Famer. Man, you can see now on Backstage on FS1, one of the analysts on that program, it is the great Mark Henry. He joins me right here on ESPN 1000 here in Chicago. Mark, as always, I appreciate it, my man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know I wish I was there, man, right now. You know, you know what I would do, right? What would you do? I give me a Chicago beef. I give me a Chicago hot dog, no tomatoes, and I give me some of that popcorn in the airport that I can't. I can never remember the name of it, but Garrett's. It's always so good. It's it's all food related. It's all food. Of course. <laughs> How did I know? What's up, Jonathan? How did I know, Mark? I want to. Uh, if you didn't know, you know now. Oh, of course, of course. I want to know how everything is going on with you and your family during this time. You know what, man? It's going really good, man. We got to get a lot of family time and uh, a chance to, you know, watch the kids do their schoolwork because, you know, my wife is a, a former educator. So when it came to um, doing homeschool, it was, man, it was easy to do. Well, I want to get your thoughts about what we just saw moments ago. It was on uh, NXT as they just went off the air on the USA Network. I know it does your heart proud to see Keith Lee in that matchup against Dajakovic and uh, Damian Priest. Three big guys going at it, and, and Keith Lee comes out on top uh, as the, the winner again. That that guy, I'm so happy for all three of those guys because they always put on a really quality match. Hell of a show. Mm-hmm. They they do a good job. Uh, sometimes I think they're doing too much, but I, that's because of history. That's because we weren't allowed uh, to do so much like that. And but if they can do it, then let them do it. I mean, they're doing a, they're doing such a good job of doing all of those moves uh, flawlessly for big guys. You just don't see men move that way in any company. Um, and especially in the WWE, it's been a long time since you see guys move that way. I mean, I guess uh, Bam Bam Bigelow was the last guy that just had 100% freedom range to do whatever he wanted, and um, it's just great to see. I want to get your, your thoughts about what we've been seeing as of late. Obviously, all the wrestling companies across the country and around the world, if they're going to have a show, it's going to be without fans. And from your experience before you came to WWE, you worked in Memphis, and there was a few fans there in that uh, WNBC studio there in Memphis. So um, what would that be like for you in that spot to be able to wrestle, but there's you're not getting feedback from the fans? You know what, man? I, I would look into the... I would look into the eyes of the people at home. And when I say that, I mean, I would not play to the seats. Mm -hmm. I would play to the camera. And I would find a way to reach you at home. If I had to beg the camera to give it to me, I would beg the camera. I would go to Michael Cole or whoever was announcing and I would give them the business. And you know what I mean when I say give them the business. <laughs> I would give it to them. And then guys would come 
and then I could have an uh, interaction with the person that I was wrestling with. But it, it's like you, you have to have all the tools in the toolbox to wrestle when it gets to that point because, uh, like you said, you know, no feedback from the crowd. A lot of the reaction is based off of what's selling to the crowd. And uh, if I'm not selling to the crowd, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to sell to somebody. Some, most of it is going to be to the person that I'm in the ring with, but everybody around me, the cameraman is going to get it. My, the announcer is going to get it. The referee is going to get it. <laughs> and the guy that I'm wrestling against, he's damn sure going to get it. <laughs> Mark Henry from Busted Open on Sirius XM Fight Nation. The WWE Hall of Famer joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Uh, Mark, you know, Fans have asked me this question about um, fans and not fans being in the stands. And here's my response to it is this, and maybe it's just me being, having that trained eye as a fan all these years. When I'm watching a match, my focus is on the wrestling. That, that's first. I'm not concerned about who's chanting or, or what the fans are doing because, remember, I, I'm from Chicago, so I watched Vern Gagne's TV when, there was, when he had studio wrestling there was only 10 people in there anyway. So my focus is... Who's getting over? Who's who's catching my eye as a fan? And then the fans to me is the garnish. That's not the stake. The stake is the is the wrestlers. And outside of that, it's just whatever the fans are doing. That's great if they're reacting. But I don't react what the fans are reacting to. I react to what I see in the ring. And maybe that's just because I've been watching a long time. But some fans have a disconnect in that. Well, I, I can't get hyped up, or I can't. I can't really get into it because the fans aren't reacting. Well, it's really about what's in the ring because that's that's what counts. Jonathan, I spent my whole career telling people to shut the hell up. Yes, I know. <laughs> Let me do my job. <laughs> yes. I don't need you. I'm the one running this. You yes. just sit there, put your seatbelt on, and go on the ride. And don't touch my radio. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like that, that's just the way I was. And, and, and I can understand exactly what you're saying. Because that's the way that I work. That's I, I just I, I I work for the 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 match. I work for the guy, and I work with the guy that I was in the ring with. And you know, I feel like I did a pretty good job of of knowing my role. And um, I think that there's too much emphasis on stuff that you can't control. The fans are are, are complaining about um, watching, and they're not being fans. What can you change? How can you change that? There's not one thing that anybody listening to my voice or that listening to any of the shows that I'm on that can change what's going on in the ring right now. They can't change the way television is produced. They can't change whether or not the, the Wi-Fi in their house is strong enough to get the signal. They can't control nothing. All they can do is watch and analyze. Everybody is an analyst now. And I believe that everybody can have a hypothesis or uh, the uh, educated guess of, of what they're seeing, but there's only a select few that should that you should listen to, like they're preachers, like they're giving you the word, and that is what we do on Busted Open. That's what we do under the hood, and that's what we do on backstage. Like we are giving you the understanding of where we all of the work that we put in over 25 years. So just take what we're saying and roll that into what you're kind of feeling and, and, and let that be your answer. But 
you know, it, it seems like uh, some people would rather argue than do what was was completely right about the situation. Uh, this leads to WrestleMania with the the, the interviews that we're seeing uh, leading into this weekend's events, Mark. Man, let me tell you something. It's got to make you feel like you're back in Beaumont watching Houston wrestling, right? I mean, these these oh promos God. are looking you right in the face, which I've been asking for forever, right? Look me in the eye and sell the event. These promos up and down the line, not just not just Taker and, and AJ Styles or, or Edge and Randy Orton, because these are terrific matches that we're going to see this weekend, but just up and down the line, we're seeing the best of the best. That That Raw this past Monday with those interviews, Mark, that you could put those interviews in any era and say, "Yep, here's my money. Yep. I'm, I'm yep. going to see the event." You can go back a month ago, Sami Zayn, awesome promos. Then you had John Cena in the Fiend, and then you had Randy Orton and Beth Phoenix, and then you had uh, Edge, and then you had both of the guys, and then you had the AJ Styles and Undertaker stuff like nobody is is weak because you can't be. This is the time where if you're going to get over, you're going to have to get over. Otherwise, people will forever look at you as, ah, oh, that was that was weak. I mean, you know, and, and, and nobody wants that, especially when you got to go back through that curtain. Like, you don't want to you, – you, sometimes you can fall short of what you feel like was your best performance. But I, I I look at what's been going on, and these guys have been stepping up, delivering. You're going to find out who the best entertainers are. Mm-hmm. Elias is another guy. He he don't really need to, to go out there and wrestle. He can go out there and entertain them. Hand, the, hand him the microphone, turn the guitar on, and then let him do his thing. Like, we'll appreciate all of this when the people come back. What is a sleeper match for your WrestleMania? Maybe something that's off the radar that people really should look to focus in on. I think the women's match, I think that Shayna Baszler has got a lot to prove, and she's talked a real good game leading up until um, WrestleMania. But now it's time to deliver. And uh, there's another match on that card, um, you know, with with Charlotte Flair and um, Rhea Ripley. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to be is the second ladies match. You want there's these women as much as they're not in the match against each other, they are. They're, They're they're out there to show supremacy because they're the four best. And the four best advertised women in pro wrestling, and who steps up and performs is is, is a big deal. And I think that Shayna Baszler is the one that's done the most talking, and uh, I think it's time for her to step up. I saw Rhea Ripley's workout regimen on uh, on Twitter, and I was like, "Yeah, I was happy about that." You saw a workout regimen, didn't you? Oh yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> when you go around and uh, and up and down and uh, shit, that, I, I don't know if that was, was uh, that wasn't even a thing when I was growing up. 
I actually wish that it was. I mean, it would have been fun practicing that. <laughs> just saying. You know, I, I didn't go complete sex with chocolate, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I was happy for my man. I said, all right. <laughs> yeah. Man, that was special. I had, I had to comment about it. Now, I, don't, I don't really comment a, a lot about stuff, especially Ooh. about, you know, people's relationships and what they do at home. But I guess now there's so much going on at home that you might as well post some of it, especially that. I just didn't know, and I, I'm I'm very happy to see what I saw there. I was uh, it, it caught me by off guard. By, by stuff I need to start trying. <laughs> I need to have an open mind. <laughs> what uh, what can you remember back to your first WrestleMania? What stood out most about the first time that you went through the curtain for WrestleMania? Uh, complete and utter fear. Mm-hmm. I thought I had it down. I thought I knew what I was getting myself into. And I went out there and I forgot every damn thing. I didn't know what, I didn't, man. Oh, I'm sitting here. I I just had to take a deep breath now. Just putting myself in that frame of mind. uh, It was scary, man. Like if you don't, if you don't know, um, if you don't acclimate yourself, like that, that, that stage will eat you up. And I think that some of the some of the people that's on this card, this is their first WrestleMania. And if they're not careful, they're gonna find themselves looking at the lights rather than being under the lights. And that's that's what I did. I went out there, man, and I looked up and I saw those people and I looked at those lights and I had to walk probably thirty yards to get to the ring. And by the time I got to the ring, I didn't know what the hell I was out there for. Mm. I mean, I was shook. And uh, I'm ho- I'm hoping that um, these young men and women have uh, uh, don't get sucked in like I did. Uh, we I'm going to ask you a question that we've asked our, our show here about the name the one sporting event that you are missing the most during this shelter in place during this pandemic. We have a lot of answers to this. What's that one sport or the event that you're missing the most during this? Man, that was a full contact table tennis tournament that I was really looking forward to. <laughs> I mean, it's an unbelievable sport. People need to pay. I don't know. Uh, the, I know you've been the hitting the head a lot. The so. NBA playoffs, man. <laughs> yes. That That's it. Uh, I'm, I'm an NBA guy. My, my first love was basketball. Uh, Irvin Johnson was somebody that I loved. I told him, like, I profess my love for for Irvin on the plane going over to Barcelona for the Olympic Games. And the reason that I was telling him that story um, about him and Larry Bird, you know, with the weapons, it's the first job I ever got. Uh, I got it because I wanted to buy those shoes. And my mother told me, that she was not going to spend $78 on some shoes that I wasn't going to wear to church. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to get a job and Irvin Johnson is the reason I got my first job. So, you know, I, I, my, my love for basketball is, you know, is well documented. And, uh, I I was just happy that I was able to share that with Irvin and, uh, have a relationship with him now as a peer rather than just as a fan. 
Well, Mark, I'm glad you spent some time. I'm looking forward to WrestleMania this weekend because it's going to be unique. I don't know how it's going to be laid out, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they are going to bring to the table for a two-night event. Man, I, I was so happy uh, when I heard that there was going to be two days because, you know, when Wrestle Kingdom came about, I just knew that that was going to be the future. Like, that that was something that I felt like the WWE could implement, and I didn't know that it was going. this is the reason why it was going to happen or how it was going to happen. But nonetheless, I'm glad that it's a two-day thing now. Uh, I think that we will somewhere down the road do this again, but we'll do it live. Yeah, this will make Los Angeles even bigger. If we get out, we got we get out from underneath this, then it'll be in LA next year. No, no, it's not bigger. a question of if, but when. Mm-hmm. We, we we're going to evolve. I mean, just the, our natural uh, the the our, our natural uh, antibodies that our body house, they're going to kick in. Eventually, everybody will get it, adapt to it, and the ones that uh, have respiratory issues, uh, it could be hazardous. It, it, could, it could take you out. Uh, let's just hope that everybody that does have respiratory issues or something that's a existing condition, they, they actually get the help that they need before it gets too serious and uh, to the point to where it would hurt them. But for all those people out there that have lost somebody that are losing somebody, I, I know somebody right now that's been told, the, the family and friends have been told, uh, come say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And that's a horrible thing, man. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And I, I feel sorry for all those people, and I'm praying for all those people. Mark, thank you so much for spending time with us in Chicago. Let's do it again. Let's do it, man. Next time, man, I need to get some of them uh, Chicago beef sandwiches, man. You know, one of them dogs. You know, you have to ship it, man. Ship it. And Garrett's popcorn. Oh, Garrett's. Oh, with the cashews and the pecans. Y'all probably say pecan up there. No, no we don't. <laughs> Yo, what, what, what you, what, how you say it? Let me hear you say it. Pecans. Oh, okay, so you all right. <laughs> you all right. I don't care what I don't care what they say about you, man. You all right with me. Mark Henry, the world's strongest man with us on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN one thousand, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. We'll talk Bears with Jared Payton, son of the great Walter Payton, sports anchor for WGN Channel 9. We'll talk to him coming up. In our next segment, right here on ESPN 1000. So glad that you're with us. Good to hear from Mark Henry, the world's strongest man. For, for you hear him on Busted Open on Sirius XM, uh, Fight Nation, uh, does a talk show. And uh, we've done several shows together. He's a fantastic guy. And I uh, look forward to talking to him again real soon. You know, one of the, uh, the storylines here in the offseason for the NFL has been 
what is going on with both Belichick and Brady in that what is going on with Belichick moving forward now that Brady's with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what is going on with Brady? Like how will he be able to elevate uh, this team? So it's an interesting, it's interesting story because I read this from David Purdom from ESPN.com, the great Belichick Brady debate. um, Who is more valuable? 20 to one. Those were the new England Patriots odds to win the Super Bowl entering last season's playoffs. They were the longest Super Bowl odds the Patriots had faced in a decade. Flash forward three months, Tom Brady is in Tampa, while Bill Belichick remains in New England with an uncertain quarterback situation and an uninspiring roster. Twenty to one with Brady, um, twenty to one with Brady, twenty to one without him. That's the power of Belichick in the betting market. So think about that. Even though Brady's not there. You can get odds right now on the Patriots winning the Super Bowl at 20 to 1. Now, maybe this changes by the time we get to the draft and when we get close to the season, but 20 to 1 with Brady, 20 to 1 without him for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. It, it is interesting to look at the New England Patriots without Tom Brady after 20 years. And it goes down to what we saw here in the city with Joe Madden, what we saw in the city here with uh, Joel Quinville, and the feeling that Madden should still be with the Cubs and Quinville should still be with the Blackhawks. It all comes down to ego every single time. It comes down to ultimately who gets the credit, who doesn't get the credit. The whole Jordan saga of six thousand eight years. How come Jordan finished his career with the Bulls? Because it came down to ego between management, ownership, and the players. And it all comes to the same thing. Tom Brady could still be a Patriot today if it wasn't for two things. The number one thing that's not talked about enough is the money. Is that Tom Brady wants to be respected money wise. It's one thing that he wasn't getting the game ball from Bill Belichick, the tough dad in New England uh, for his time there with the Patriots. Bill Belichick rarely smiled and really rarely gave Brady credit in, you know, on the record. But Brady felt that he was disrespected. But the number one thing is money. So he gets a two-year, $50 million deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he's a no-trade kicker, so he can't be traded. So... I just look at both sides and say the reason why that they're not together is because of ego. And it says a lot for Vegas to still believe in Belichick's ability to get it done without Tom Brady. There is no quality quarterback in the mix now for the Patriots. And still, some look at this Patriots team without Brady and say, that's an 8-win, 9-win team, good enough to make the playoffs. Stidham is not Brady. Stidham is just a player that's on that roster as the backup to Brady. Now... Brady is in Tampa. Let's go to the other side. Tom Brady. Why did he choose Tampa? One of the worst moribund franchises in the National Football League. Why did he choose Tampa of all teams? 20 to 1. Those are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' new and improved odds to win the Super Bowl at Caesars Sportsbook. It's a significant move from 50 to 1 where they stood before the possibility of landing Brady began heating up. Brady's 42 years of age. And he's done everything. Six championships, the greatest quarterback that I've ever seen. Tom Brady is with Tampa. Why did he go there? There are other places where he could have gone to be able to increase his chances to get, at least get into the playoffs. But he's starting anew, pretty much. And there's weapons there. Every team has weapons. 
But there's something about that New England system and playing in Foxborough and playing with someone who is able to go through every detail with a fine tooth comb. They can go through everything and get you ready to be able to perform. And that's New England. And New England has their issues, too. When you look at their drafts over the last 10 years, they've been able to get through all of that and be able to go around all the issues that they've had with deflate gate and all this stuff and still be able to focus on winning and being a winning franchise. But it's still kind of a head scratcher. Why Brady chose Tampa. Does he believe that if he's in Tampa, that he can get Tampa to the playoffs or the Super Bowl? More than likely not. I said this at the time, and I end up being wrong, and this is what happens when you are ad-libbing 40,000 words a night, like I do, or, or thereabouts. There's times where you're going to say some things, and you feel like you have a strong opinion on it, and it doesn't go your way. It didn't go my way because I thought that Tom Brady would stay with New England at least for one more year and retire. Because at 42, what does he have to prove? Well, Brady still feels good because even though he's 42, he is probably feels like he's 25, 30 years old. But you did see a regression here and there with Brady, but not to the point where he was just a bum. But now with Tampa, it doesn't matter the head coach, doesn't matter the system, he's still 42 years old. And unless he is just this great athlete, like even Jerry Rice toward the end, that he's still going to be able to get it done on a regular basis, I just don't see that happening. Unless he's just some special athlete that will get it done until he's 44, 45 years of age. I don't see it. Last time we saw something like this was like um, uh, Vinny Testaverde. Testaverde will play until he's 44, 45. And he looked like it, too. (laughs) I know that in some sports and with some players that 40 is the new 20 or 40 is the new 30 and that there's a renaissance in players that are north of 40 that can still get it done. But the NFL is tough. Even in a quarterback offensive friendly league, he's still 42 years of age. And while Cam Newton is out there, Jameis Winston's out there and a few other quarterbacks, the point is, is that Tampa is doing it because they want to put butts in seats They want to make sure that that place is filled to see the attraction that is Tom Brady, the greatest that you've ever seen. We've seen so many examples, though, of players at the end trying to piecemeal a career together after they've had a Hall of Fame career. The perfect examples even here, like with Ken Griffey Jr. I love Ken Griffey Jr. growing up. Love watching Ken Griffey Jr. with the Seattle Mariners. Then goes to Cincinnati. And I thought, Oh, wow. Now he's with the White Sox, but it wasn't the same Ken Griffey Jr. It was a whole different type of guy. And you saw that he was not the same guy that he once was when he was the kid and getting it done for the Seattle Mariners. There's so many examples of players that were toward the end um, that you say, why is he still holding on? Well, it's still fun for Tom Brady, I'm sure. It's still intriguing for him to get up every day and look through a playbook. But here's what I don't want to see. And this is for any great athlete. Any medium, a mediocre athlete. I don't want to see athletes that once were on the top of their game erode before our very eyes, look horrible before our very eyes. Don't want to see that. And with Tom Brady, I suspect that we will see that because there is no Belichick there. And even though I believe in Brady, I don't believe in Brady when he's 43, 44, still trying to get it done in front of an offensive line that may hold up for him and maybe not. Remember, Belichick is terrific. I will say this. 
that just from attrition, that Belichick will be more successful post-Brady than Brady will be in Tampa. I, the age just tells you all you need to know. Belichick could be there and pass out on the sidelines. He could be there until he's 70-plus because he's a, a type A personality that is able to really look into detail and try to expose the weaknesses of the opposition. And it's not going to be a Super Bowl every year because I don't expect another Super Bowl, by the way, from the Patriots. That's done, too. You have two ends of an era with Tampa and with um, with Tampa with Tom Brady and Belichick with the Patriots now. The end of an era. No more championships for Brady and no more for Belichick. This is why it's going to be intriguing once we do get football to see how these two are able to get it done. How will they get it done without each other? That's going to be interesting to watch. Coming up, we'll talk more about the NFL and the Bears with Jared Payton. His thoughts on the Bears next on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Glad that you're with us. Another full show tomorrow between 7 and 10 right here on ESPN 1000. We'll continue to keep our eyes on the draft as well. And the Bears. Uh, Speaking of the Bears, I talked earlier to Jared Payton, um, who is the son of uh, Walter Payton, loves the NFL, former NFL and college great himself from WGN Channel 9. I talked to him after the season with the Bears, and I thought that Jared made a lot of salient points, including asking him you know, his overall thoughts on the Bears season last year. I think the, everybody thought that the progression of Mitchell Trubisky would be a lot uh, further along coming into the season after you know having an offseason with Matt Nagy, and then things were going to be a lot better. And it just wasn't there, and it didn't start out that way. I think we started to see it a little bit around um, that Rams game, a little bit where you started to see him make that climb as the as the season went on. But it still wasn't enough, and I think it was just a regression from the beginning of the season. And the Bears' offense looking kind of pedestrian and trying to figure out. What is this offense all about? What is Matt Nagy trying to do? Because, I mean, that's the next question mark. He's calling the plays, and the quarterback is not efficient enough. And we're looking at an offense that was almost pretty similar to the year before. But, Hood, the only thing that kind of masked it last season was the defense, not only turning the ball over, but putting points on the board. And so you saw an offense that basically took the whole entire first half doing nothing, three and outs, to then trying to find a way to, in that third quarter, come out and be alive, but not able to finish. So they weren't able to put together um, just uh, some, some good performances and also be consistent in moving the football. I trust your eyes when it comes to running the football, obviously. So when I see Montgomery, what I've been saying is is that Montgomery is is going to be a very good back in this league, but it worked together. So I'll ask you, so what are your thoughts on Montgomery running the football for the future for this team? Uh, I think it's he's got a bright future. I, I truly do. I mean, just being able to watch him 
come out of college, I knew he had something special, but I also knew as well that you have to be able to uh, put him in good positions to be successful and how he likes running the football. And in this Matt Nagy offense, it's a lot of it is out of the shotgun, a lot of these read options. For Montgomery, I, you can see he, he, in some way, he loves to be able to run downhill. And, you know, if, if you can run downhill and get downhill and get to that second level, Man, it gives you an opportunity to do what he does best. And what he does best is getting to that second level and making people miss and shutting off tackles. And they weren't able to do that. And it was because of a, a subpar offensive line and trying to figure out, you know, moving guys around to, to kind of figure that whole unit out. But then also, too, man, you get a... Um, you get an opportunity to kind of to see that he has these gifts, he has these skills, but he also he wants to be able to uh, to be able to kind of put it in a situation where he can, you know, be out there and show his best. He wasn't able to do that with this offensive line and with Matt Nagy not really wanting to call plays and run the football. I'm not sure why he has such an issue with running the football hood. I, 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 I just don't get it. Uh, you, you see teams in the NFL that are successful, and, and when you see them, they, they have that part of their game. I mean, look at the Tennessee Titans. I mean, anytime you can run the football and later in the game, you're putting that defense on edge, and by that end of the game, you're able to control the clock, you're able to control the tempo, and the Bears were never able to really control the tempo in most of the games they played this past season. Jared Payton from WGN's uh, Channel 9 with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. I'm going to let people behind the curtain because people don't know this about you, but I know this about you working with you. Nothing irritates, and no one would never know this unless you're around, Jared, watching a game. Nothing irritates Jared more than two things. One, the lack of running the football in a football game. Two, a running back tapping his helmet saying, I want out. <laughs> Nothing pisses Jared off more. People don't know that about you, but I know that about you. I, I've sat next to you, sir, and just the, the look on your face, your clenched fist, you don't understand tapping out. You don't like you don't like that at all. <laughs> no, and, and hood. I mean, it, it's something about the position, man. Where you, you have to be able to carry the load, and you you have to be that guy that kind of sets the tempo. And I look at this this Bears offense this whole year. What were they trying to do? They were trying to put this on Mitch's back, and they were trying to make him a, a pocket passer, drop back, and throw thirty, forty times a game. And that's not his strength. And if he gets there one day, that would be love. That would be great. But what they needed to do was put this on the back of 32, let him run the football, and then play action pass off of that. And if you can do that, and it's hard, though, for a running back, if you only get, you know, the first two carries, the next thing you know, you're only getting two yards, maybe three yards, and your coach decides to go away from that. That's not on you. All you can do is sit up there and get ready for the next play to be called. And when you're not getting any run plays, you can get discouraged in some way as well. And so my thing for Montgomery is do not get discouraged by what has happened this past season. Build on it. Grow on it. And after that game in Minnesota, the one thing that stood out most to me, Hood, was he said, they asked him, someone goes, so when are you going to start working on next for next year? And he said, this weekend. And that right there shows me where his mindset is. He's ready to go now. He's going to get better. 
I know Bears fans want to see more. They will see more as the future goes on for number 32. I like the addition, the uh, targets of Robinson and Miller, especially when this offense is right. Do you see additional targets for the from a wide receiver spot? Uh, everybody else has got to figure it out. I think Ridley it can be a guy that could be a, be a serviceable wide receiver for you down the line just by seeing his makeup and how he can go get the football. Um, and I think now he was a good route runner in college. He has to get better at the NFL level. But, man, I, Allen Robinson, man, you, I don't, I'm done. Like, that's all I need to see <laughs> for, for, for a guy that – his passion for the game, man, every time that he came out and knowing that other teams and defenses are keying on you because they know that you're the only guy, especially early on in the season. I mean, you started to see Miller come on as the season progressed. But, man, A-Rob knew he was getting double coverage, but that's what you want out of your number one receiver. It doesn't matter if they got help over the top. He's still going to find ways to get the rock. And he's your number one. He showed me he's a star. Might not be a pro bowler. He's a star in my eyes. And Anthony Miller gives you that 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 other benefit of having a guy that is not a big time build, but he can he can go get the football when you need him to. And so fast. What I want to see them do, and which I wish they would have done, is played three Cohen a little bit more in the slot. Change things up a little bit more. Let him go in motion and set up those matchup uh, problems for, for defenses where you have a linebacker coming down or bringing that safety down a little bit, too. That opens up for the other side of the field with guys that have man-on-man coverage. I, I know you were mentioning Trubisky and how it seems like the square peg in the round hole as far as what Matt wants to do with him offensively. But I'll ask you this, and I, I, I lean on you for this because I, I just think, Jarrett, that – you know, you, you if you're going to be a all-around good quarterback, you've got to be able to do both, meaning that you have to be able to roll out and be able to survey the scene to get the ball down the field. Also, be a good pocket passer too. So, but so if if Trubisky was one of those guys that rolled out exclusively, are you, do you think the offense would be better? Because I just think that he's got to be good at both. He can't just be chained to that offensive line. He does have to move. I I agree. I yeah. move the pocket, but he's got to be able to do both, don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. He, he does. I mean, you, you want to see him, and there are some, some flashes. I think for him now, it's over this past summer, I mean, just talking to people that were close to him, Hood, he, he was really working on his footwork a lot, and that's one of his biggest issues. He's got to he's gotta get better with his footwork when he drops back in the pocket. But I, I'm still putting this on Nagy, though. I mean, you didn't you didn't move him enough where that makes him feel comfortable or you didn't have him in the two minute offense enough for him to feel comfortable. He's one of these guys that I've been watching. He's 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 got to get that confidence early in the game. And if he doesn't, then next thing you know, you start to see the mistakes or you don't see him flourish. And so you got to get him comfortable as a play caller. You got to put your, your quarterback in a situation to be successful. I wish he would have rolled him out a little bit more, get him on the move, and that also helps out your wide receivers as well. But then also, it shuts almost down to a half of the field that you're rolling out to. So you're not having to kind of dissect what defenses are doing as much as when you drop back and kind of survey the whole field. He's got to get better at all that. My biggest issue is 
this team should have had double-digit wins if if he was running the football earlier on in the season. We didn't see that at all from Trubisky, and that that was probably my biggest concern, whether he was hurt or something was going on, Matt wasn't calling plays. You saw in that Dallas game, which was probably the perfect setup offensively for them with guys rushing off the edge to be able to run those RPOs and have him move, that right there, getting him moving, running the football, I think that's what keeps those defenses at bay a little bit and keeps them guessing. And I'm not going to compare him to Lamar Jackson or any of these other quarterbacks that can run, but those guys, when they do that, it's hard for defenses to be able to figure out what you're doing, and they're kind of at your beck and call once you get the quarterback moving, not just out of the pocket, run throwing the football, but also running the football as well. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Full show tomorrow as well, 7 to 10. I hope that you can join us. Same thing on Friday. It'll be under the hood from 7 o'clock until right here on ESPN 1000. So uh, more on the Bears. And I thought that Jared Payton in our conversation about the Bears, I think he was spot on because uh, I trust his eyes when it comes to offense and what happened with Trubisky this past season. That really tells the story of why Nick Foles is here as the quarterback for this team. I talked uh, to Stacy Dales, who covers the NFL, and, and is based in Chicago and does a lot with the Chicago Bears covering that team as well. We had a conversation about the Bears' free agency. Nick Foles part of that, um, being able to bolster up the defensive line and some other things the Bears did in free agency. I asked Stacy her thoughts about the, what the Bears have done overall here in the offseason. Stands out to me through free agency, Jonathan, is when you look at a team and how they tool one side of the football. So, what I see with, for instance, the Green Bay Packers last year, as you know, they added the Smith brothers. Not, they're not brothers, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, Zadarius and Smith, uh, Press Preston. I, I see a Chicago Bears unit that got together and said, let's build our defense via free agency, and now we're going to add a bunch of youth to this offense. And, oh, by the way, Nick Foles is now on the roster. <laughs> so right. what they've done, what they've added defensively, um, you know, I think about Robert Quinn, who's, you know, in, in his time in the National Football League, 80-plus sacks. Uh, there aren't many guys that have that. And I talked to one Bears player last week when it all happened, and he couldn't have been more thrilled because it adds depth up front. It adds another pass rusher to free up Khalil Mack a little bit. Um, and so – you know, for, for Barcavius Mingo, another former first-rounder, added to the roster. Um, so so for the Chicago Bears, you have now done a couple of things here. I, I love the Robert Quinn move, and I just think that from from the standpoint of building that defense up and all that they have up front, we'll see what they can add to their back end, possibly through the draft. But, you know, you have two picks in the second round, and that's not bad. I mean, you always want a first-rounder, but you pick early in the second round if you're the Bears. And this is a deep draft. It's, um, you know, I think at every position you could argue, receivers, tight ends, 
um, offensive line. I think all those three positions for me is going to be really interesting for the Bears in the second round. I guess the big question I have for you, Stacey, is are these moves that we've seen so far good enough to be able to compete with Minnesota and Green Bay? Ultimately, you want to be as good as possible in the NFC, but you don't want to be in third place struggling to try to get to the playoffs. So are these playoff-like moves, do you think, for the Bears? It's a really great question. I already think the, the Chicago Bears have a playoff defense. So that argument has a big period on the end of it. I mean, when I think about Akeem Hicks, who's absolutely on track to be ready to go after that injury last year, and I think about this front seven, this is one of the best front sevens in football. Danny Trevathan, they just redid his deal, and he'll be, you know, healthy and good to go. Roquan Smith, same thing. Um, And then you've got still Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson on the back end. I think that's, a, to me, a playoff defense. The, the glaring questions in this division, to answer your question, when you mentioned those other two teams, can you run the football in this division? And I think that, you know, Nagy has made an emphasis. There's two areas that need to be drastically different besides quarterback play. Got to be able to run the football effectively and, and consistently when you need to, and you need a tight end that can do the things you need in this offense. You can morph this thing from a West Coast to all these RPOs. And when, when I say that, you know, we go back and look at the stats and um, Pro Football Focus does a fantastic job that we utilize heavily at NFL Network. Since 2018, the Chicago Bears operate out of run-pass option, second most in the National Football League. Well, guess who is number one? The Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they just won the Super Bowl. So you have, and a huge part of that is the tight end position. We've seen it with the Eagles, with Zach Ertz. We've seen it with Kelsey in Kansas City. And now what becomes of this group where you have currently, gosh, I've lost count, 11 or 12 tight ends on your roster right now, and you need some help at guard with your offensive line. I think that the Bears are going to attack this draft offensively. But as I say that, Jonathan, you never really know what teams are going to do. Nobody knows what these teams will do on draft day. So the thoughts there from Stacey Dales from the NFL Network. Just a good conversation that we had. You can hear our full conversation in the archives of the Underhood podcast. But to her point, you have to be able to address your needs that you have. It's one thing for Ryan Pace to turn a blind eye to all of it, but you know that he sees ex- exactly what we see in Trubisky and the offense, knowing that you need an upgrade, knowing that there's got to be competition between Trubisky and whomever. Chase Daniel was not going to be the answer, even though he was able to ho- you know, hang in there pretty well. But Ryan Pace sees the end of his time with the Bears if they can't turn this around. If they can't pull the nose up on this plane here and be able to be better, to be able to be in the playoffs with an extra extra wild card that's going to be in the mix here, then he's not going to be in in a job. And it's what I talked about last night, and I still, still feel strongly about it. I don't know what Virginia McCaskey's thinking, but I know that she doesn't have a whole lot of time to watch her team get back to the Super Bowl. You know, I want her to last forever and still be a part of the Chicago Bears and, you know, that link to the House family. But, you know, time is getting short here for everybody. And when you have another strong defense, you don't want to have it squandered by an offense that just can't catch up. You still got to get past the Vikings. You still got to get past the Packers in the NFC North. 
And I like the, the moves that were made. Foles is not the answer long term. But in the short term, yeah, he very well could be. I thank you for listening and being part of the, pro- the, uh, the uh, show here on ESPN 1000 and uh, the ESPN Chicago app. Our thanks to Mark Henry for being with us. Also, Barrett Jones was with us. And also, uh, Jared Payton, part of the program as well. Show produced by Sean Davis on the other side of the glass. Another full show tomorrow between 7 and 10. And remember, we're alone together. All the best to you and your family. We'll do this again tomorrow, 7 to 10. Check out the podcast, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood Podcast. Check it out on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.